Welcome to A World Gone Mad. I am your host, Christian McMillan, and I hope you enjoy the scheduled programming. Welcome. We're here in a world gone mad, and today I'm with Eric Moretton. How's it going, man? Good to see you. It's Good been, to see you too. It's been 2019. Yeah. Pig Destroyer. Yeah, that's right. Time before then. I don't know. Thunder Bay sometime. Yeah. When did you move out here anyways? I can't remember. Like three years ago, I guess now. Uh, a little more than two. 2019? Because I came out here in 2018. Yeah, you were out here before me. I think that That's would make right. it 2019, yeah. the summer of, or something like that. Wait, because Pig Destroyer was the spring, unless it was before then. Mm, I think it was the spring. Oh, so you must have just got there. Okay. Or maybe, well, it varies, because I moved, I came for a long visit, and then I went home for a bit, oh, okay. and then I moved here officially. Gotcha. I also was partying a lot, so it does make the timeline a little blurry. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. So uh, what made you want to stay out here? Like Stay out here? Yeah. The weather, yeah. number one. That's the big one, eh? Yeah. Even for how depressing the winter is? It took two or three times for me to think of the winter as depressing. I was yeah. like, oh, it's warm. I don't care if I don't see the sun for weeks. Yeah. But this year, I felt it. Yeah. I felt the, you know, it's weird, the burden right? of weeks of rain at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a yeah. lot. Totally. Yeah, man. Eric is a guitarist and a musician, and uh, he has recently, in the last year, started a YouTube page. Uh, for, for the last little while, I've been... Uh kind of pursuing YouTube uh, cool. a little bit more. Not as a full-time thing, but because uh, I got a, another career that I do for it's like the nine to five or whatever. But right. it was like 2019, around maybe the springtime when I'm like, oh, maybe I should try and give this a shot, you know, and see what happens. I got a mm -hmm. good phone and I can kind of record now. I'm spending more time doing that. And maybe I'll just see what happens, right? And I like figuring out songs. So threw up a cover online. It was a glass jaw song. I just put up a video and seemed like it was doing well. And I'm like, oh, this is like kind of fun. Because I had like two videos up from years ago up on my YouTube page that I just got rid of. And it was right. going nowhere. Then I'm like, let's just see what happens and put another video up. And oh, this is pretty fun still. Then, you know, it's it's far and few between because I do have another job that I do or a couple other jobs that I do. So, right. but it is still fun to do. And yeah, you know, it's taken off more so like with the Pantera dime bag stuff, which is kind of the bread and butter for yeah, me. Yeah, you got is, a theme going. I was yeah. watching your uh, Slaughtered cover yeah, yeah. last night. Nice. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was yeah, sweet. That was with uh, two buddies who um, randomly hit me up on Instagram, and we were just like talking back and forth with each other and like, oh, like we love Pantera. We love Pantera. Like, okay, sick. Let's do a cover. And we just picked Slaughtered, which was sweet. And it's it's kind of nice because they're my favorite band, and Dimebag's the favorite guitar player. Mm -hmm. And it seems like those videos do well on my channel. So I'm like, well, right. I guess I'll just keep rolling with it. So Yeah, I guess it, it goes broke, along don't... with uh, your guitar collection as well. I yeah. saw you have you restored Rex's basses. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. So my buddy back in, in our hometown, he owns those. He okay. He got them in like an actual auction where Rex was auctioning off a lot of his gear that was cool. used in the Pantera days. So like so my buddy won the auction then 
and Rex signed the bases and everything. And there's like certificate of authenticities with all of them. Then he went down to go meet Rex in like Texas or whatever. And he was just like, yo, just have everything, like whatever you want. Pictures, man, like all the stuff from like the club days and stuff of like me and Dime and me and Phil. And like from when we were like in our early 20s, late teens, just like slumming it on all the tours. I'm like, so that I look at, go to his house and there's like all these pictures of them, like from like, the year like 88 89 or like you know 87 it's like holy like this is crazy no <laughs> like, way and it's insane it's like a total trip down memory lane like pictures you've never seen before like pictures that have never been published in like revolver or like uh you know like whatever big magazine there is now or like online it's just these are like full-on like old school pictures that had to be developed at like walmart or like kmart or something that have been just preserved for so many years it's crazy seeing it so me being the huge Pantera fan I am, I get like super excited seeing all that stuff because it's like, oh my God, like this is new stuff that hasn't been seen before. It would be awesome to if the internet could see it, but I don't know. Sometimes it's better kept to like the smaller crowd, right? Or like between right, like right. a small circle of people who can like really appreciate the rarity and uniqueness of it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And then you uh, recently got your dream guitar. <laughs> yeah. I was watching that video. Part, part two. Which one? Cool. Because I made a dream guitar part one. Then it was just like, just kidding. Here's my other dream guitar. It was uh, the signed one. Yeah. Yeah. The signed one. Yeah. That was like one I've wanted for such a long time. And the fact that it's signed by Pantera was just like, like, to- I was total really surprised actually while watching the video the moment you pulled it up and you're yeah. like, and it's signed. I was like, oh, no fucking way. Yeah. It was like, oh my God. Like, I saw it online for a while, then, like, you know, like, with all these Dimebag guitars now and the fact that you can't get them anymore, Mm -hmm. and with this whole Dean guitar, Dimebag Daryl estate lawsuit, like, the price of them are just going, like, kind of crazy. Right. And, you know, COVID and supply and demand and all that has kind of impacted some prices. But the fact that it was signed to and it was mint from day one was like, okay, like, I guess if this is the one, like, it's going to be the one. So... Which is pretty insane because I've wanted that finish for such a long time. Uh, I had one back in the day. It was like a Chinese model just because, you know, when I bought it, it was I'm like fresh out of high school. I couldn't afford the real thing. Found the Chinese one used. And it was sweet. Had it for a very long time. Then I always told myself, like, the only reason I'm going to get rid of this if I find a USA, which is what I found. And it was like 12 years later, I managed to find it and was like, okay, one, it's mint. Two, it's signed by the band. And like, well, the prices of these things are getting... You know, they're getting pretty steep. So if this is going to be the only one I get and it's signed, like, I just got to pull the trigger and go for it. Totally. And even then, there's, like, broken ones that are online. Like, the headstock's been snapped or, like, there's been a ton of damage on the points because, like, it's a big guitar. So obviously, if it's been played on stage, like, it's going to see some battle scars. Yeah, yeah. So, like, even those ones, they go for, like, crazy money for what they are. And they've been, like, super played. Whereas this one was, like, kind of a decent price. You know, just like with anything, if you know the guy and if maybe if they know what's going to a good home or if you're able to leverage some money from maybe selling some other guitars to offset mm-hmm. the cost of something else to upgrade, then yeah, maybe you can do it. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, it's a it's an investment at that point too, especially for how rare those things are, let alone signed or not even signed. They're just very rare collectible items. Yeah, absolutely. Music history, yeah. So it's super cool to have. I mean... I've really thought about getting the the top of it clear coated to okay. preserve the signatures just so I can play it more and not be like 
kind of like walking on eggshells if that's the right that expression. actually crossed my mind right away was yeah. i was like will your arm leaning on the guitar are you gonna wear it off oh, i watched the my guitars the tinge of them like the paint fade and stuff yeah. like that even like this les paul over here mm -hmm. it's like a satin finish like wherever yeah. you have your hand or your arm like that part is gonna wear and it looks cool on guitars that are really gonna be played but something like yeah. that is signed by a band where you can't get two or half the member signatures anymore yeah totally yeah and it's like i gotta preserve these things and as much as i want to play it right yeah absolutely. instead of it just being like behind glass or something yeah so like getting back to my buddy who owns like rex's bases and, and all that and he has a couple other like he has a ton of other signed guitars and like they're all behind glass and everything cool which is which is super cool but i mean like for me i'm like oh man i'd love to play this but at the same time it's like this weird middle ground of like this is actually a collector's item now but do you want to play it, right? It's yeah, so weird. It's hard so, to balance, it's I bet. It's so weird, yeah. Especially when there's like a price tag attached to it rather than it's like, oh, it's a gift or like you got it when you were a kid and like it's just increased in value or something. Right, right. So it's really hard to say, but I'd love to do it, love to play it. It plays amazing for like the little bit that I've actually played it. Not, you know, not wanting to like mess up the signatures. Right. But like, oh man, I'd love to be able to actually play it like way more. And, you know, as I said earlier, like, Trying to find these guitars is very hard, especially for like a an affordable price is very hard as well. So it's like, do I want to do that again? Like, not really. I really don't want to buy another one of these guitars for for a lot of money. Or totally. do I just clear coat it and play the hell out of it? So it's such a weird fine line. I don't know. I've been mulling it over for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of clear coating it. Yeah. And being able to play it. The only way I would see myself being able to put it behind glass is yeah. if, yeah, I had an outrageous amount of money and could watch out for another one yeah, or something like that. Exactly. Otherwise, I think, like, it's a dream guitar. You want to play it. Exactly, right? Yeah. Especially since there's still a little kid in everyone, no matter what it is or whatever stage of life you're at and whatever hobby you have, whether it's cars, guitars, or whatever the collectible thing is right like you buy an old car from the one that you wanted as a kid but couldn't afford because you obviously didn't have a job or money at the time to afford it then you buy it when you're an adult of course you want to drive it right totally whereas the same thing with a guitar right if like wanted to buy this guitar as a kid didn't have the money managed to get it as an adult and i'm like now it's a weird part like do i drive it do i play it do i restore it do i just like yeah leave it and don't play it like do oh, i cover it up for the winter <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Do I keep it in a climate controlled room and everything? Like, oh, it's it's a weird thing that's now entered my life. Totally. Yeah. Because before it was just like, well, put the guitars on the wall or put them in their cases when I'm done and wipe them down and okay, see you tomorrow. Totally. Now it's like, okay, let's really think about when I'm gonna play this thing. It's it's interesting. Cool. But yeah, super cool guitar. Um, if you can find one and you're in a place to maybe get one, do it. But I mean, like, just be ready. Like, they're they're pretty expensive. Yeah, and they're just gonna keep climbing in price. Just uh, the whole supply and demand. If there wasn't a lot of them made, in terms of like regular production guitars, so if you find one and like you're in a place to do it and you really want it, like go for it. But you know, I think if people are just trying to like keep the spirit of like Pantera or like Dime and Daryl alive, like you know, you can just you can do that in other ways for sure. But if you want to do like the real thing, then like you know, just be ready to. Have a to sell a couple guitars before you hop into it. Yeah, it's yeah. a commitment. It's a commitment for sure. Just like just like anything else that's desirable now. Like even like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, like all that stuff oh, is man. hiliariously. That's expensive. a funny example because I had huge collections as a kid. Didn't care about them. I no know. idea what happened to them. And for then I see someone selling a Yu-Gi-Oh card. 
And yeah. I'm like, I might have had that right? for $1,000 or, or something ridiculous. Exactly. You look on eBay and it's like, oh, here's like a mint condition Charizard, a like graded PSA 10 from like the very first set. And it's been stored in like a case all of its life and like in a box out of the sun. And it's like, oh, this guy wants like $500,000 for it. And it's like, that's crazy, but he might even get it. Totally. Which is totally. insane because everything's from our generation when we were kids is like now cool again because it's retro. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. I saw the same thing with uh, Nintendo sixty four video game cartridges. Yeah, like the holographic. Oh no uh, way. Zelda. I never knew they had a holographic. Of Majora. Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Oh, I had no idea that one was holographic or anything. There's, it was a specific version, but oh, I know that course. version. I had it, but no I have heard it's worth a lot of money now. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's a funny thing. I guess now living out here in BC with the uh extreme real estate prices it's like oh should we like just sell all of these things from our childhood and like become homeowners because yeah. like it's like that's almost what you got to do now oh man it's crazy out it's here it's insane right sometimes you look at a empty lot with nothing but garbage on it yeah. and you're like i wonder what this is worth four mil yeah exactly because mm -hmm. it's downtown right yeah or like straight up. it's funny sometimes i look on real estate apps and it's like oh um you know here's a parking stall for 80 grand in someone's uh like condo totally like, it's insane but it's a crisis it is so, straight up straight up man it is yeah. what have you been doing uh music wise um i have a couple projects on the go so i'm doing my own like solo stuff as much as i can and doing the youtube thing as well um i'm still doing uh the vilification sweet so that's back out east uh kind of going through um we're like writing a new album and everything we have one that's recorded we just need to put vocals on it and we're having a Bit of a bit of troubles, like trying to figure all of that those logistics out right now, um, just for different reasons. And um, I'm in Sleep Terror as well, so that's uh, nice. Still doing that from cool. Seattle, but obviously with everything going on in the world, it's been kind of hard to actually get down to Seattle and come back. Absolutely. It's, and actually go do that, and or even then like go and tour because it seems like tours are just getting cut left and right, which is so unfortunate for the artists, right? Absolutely. It seems like things were going good for a little bit, but now everything's just kind of tightened right back up again where half capacity or no capacity at all, depending what province you're in right. or depending what state you're in. So it's very interesting now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going down to the States is apparently very easy. It's just coming back into Canada is the very hard one. So, so I think once things are a little bit easier to do, um, in terms of international travel, it might make sense for all of us to meet up and actually maybe do some tours within Canada and the States totally. or even abroad, which would be awesome. But it's a matter of just like waiting for the right time and making sure everything's actually easy to do, you know, just as it used to be. So yeah, straight up. Yeah. It's kind of hard to say. How about you? What's up, uh, with music for you right now? Uh, presently me and my friend James from school, we've been working on a hip hop EP. That's cool. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, I got an album or so of acoustic songs written nice. that I want to do something with. And then same with a handful of metal songs. Nice. But uh, trying to not get too many projects going at once. I'm like, I have three things cut out I want to do and I'm going to focus on one till it's done and then I'll move on to the next. That's pretty smart. Yeah. I, I find with myself right now with uh, the amount of music that I'm writing it, and I find I bite off definitely more than I can chew, whether it's writing music, recording, or trying to do like a video for YouTube or whether it's fixing guitars, you know, on the side, or if it's honestly just trying to practice guitar to keep my chops up straight up. It's such like a, 
it's such a busy thing. It's like, where do you want to spend your time? Yeah, you know? for sure. Or do you want to be a content creator and like actually like grow a following and growing like a network and making sure you have like content lined up where you can like post it like weekly or uh, multiple times a week of some sort, like just to maintain relevancy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I straight up see the potential in your channel for sure, right? Appreciate and, it, man. Yeah. And it does seem though, uh, a great deal of the growth seems to be uh, having, yeah, like weekly content or yeah. a rhythm in which you put things out, whether it's every day or exactly. once a week or people seem to, your audience expands a lot from exactly. what I see if you have a rhythm. And I think if you really narrow down to a niche of some sort, for so sure, I've even been talking to a lot of my friends that are doing very well on social media and who like have that as like their full time gig or like actually like getting paid from it where they can semi live off of it. And they're like, yeah, right. you just got to narrow it down to a niche more or less. And even they've said like, well, I want to keep trying new things to reinvent the wheel or like not get stale. And it's like, well, why is that video tanking? Then they've even heard from other people saying sometimes people just want like what they're comfortable with and what they know is going to be great from you rather than right. something new. Even if it's awesome, they want like what's going to be great. So I do have some videos where they haven't done well and I have other videos like let's say the Pantera or the Dimebag ones that have done very well and it's like okay well I guess if that's my thing then sounds good because you're the Pantera guy I guess so good for yeah. me because I like it so I guess I can't go wrong with that straight up straight up yeah so that glass jaw cover was that the base cover yeah it's all base covers like cool pretty well all the base covers on my channel are just glass jaw which is fun i love glass jaw so much uh, they're, yeah they're a favorite band of mine they're one of my well. favorites as well got into them super young they're one of the bands next to pantera allison chains and slipknot that oh yeah i really got into it as a young teen getting into music in the formative years and they've just stuck with me ever since and it was cool like getting into them after they were kind of broken up you know in like let's say like 2007 or 8 like when they were sort of broken up I guess then right um coloring book then our color green came out then it was just like long break then all right here we go material control like Straight seven up. years later it's like this is killer this is the stuff I want yeah you know, I was really kind of watching them grow oh yeah I love that album it's yeah so it was good. cool too that they put out the coloring book and uh my color green our color green yeah our color green yeah yeah and I did they put them out at the same time or it was so close together I if not I can't remember. I know they were within the same year of each other. Yeah. I've also heard that different perspectives from like big Glassjaw fans. Um, they're like, yeah, it seems like our color green is like the hits of the album. Right. With and our then a coloring book would be like the B sides, if you will. Mm -hmm. If that kind of makes sense. I if you're did put like our color green more, so yeah. perhaps that was how I felt. Yeah, because like they're more upbeat, more exciting, whereas the stuff on. A coloring book is way more chilled out like i thought that too they're yeah. tuned down like on baritone guitars or you got like daytona white which is super chilled out that was a cool song that was a really cool one yeah. even just like uh uh what is it gold such a cool one with all the unique fuzz and like dance beats going on and everything straight up it's really cool what they did with that album it's too bad like daria lang isn't in the band as the drummer anymore but i mean like, yeah billy reimer who did material control and chad hasty who's the now the new drummer i mean it, they're fine yeah, for sure. They're in great hands. For anyways, sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, if you want to close that door, I didn't think before yeah, we started. Sure. Oh, deadly. Right there on. Perfect. Yeah, I just wasn't thinking. That's before all good. a bunch of ruckus happens out there. Hey, no worries. Yeah, right on, right on. Uh, 
we both were at Heavy Montreal one year and we saw Glassjaw. We did, yeah. yeah. 2015. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was myself, Jake, then Mark, and Nimi's younger brother, Sam. Right, right. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, that's straight up, straight I, up. And they had the different drummer at that point, they right? They had Chad, yeah. Yeah. Because I think they were also maybe teasing like one or two songs that would be off material control. Yeah. So I think they maybe teased like New White Extremity. Maybe it's been such a long time since that show. Yeah, straight up. It's been like almost seven years at this point, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a really good festival. Oh, man. Heavy Montreal and Rockfest were like some of my favorite festivals to go to. Straight up. Like, I never went to the ones like Out West or like Shambhala or anything like that or Loud as Hell. Yeah. But it was like Mon Heavy Montreal or um, Rockfest were always the ones that we would go to. We just pack up my truck and just drive like 20 hours and just camp out for a weekend and have a good time. Like, that's the stuff I do miss. Yeah, that's the move. That's what uh, MTL was something I think I went to three years in a row. That was yeah. one of them. And it was just something awesome to do for the summer. Exactly. Just for a weekend or a couple of days, you know, whether you flew or drove down, like, yeah, it's, I don't know, especially if you're going with like a good group of people, like it mm -hmm. makes the time so much better. Straight up, yeah. straight up. Even then, like I've met a lot of people from those festivals that I still talk to today. So I still got long lasting connections from that, which is, which is so killer. And it's funny how even in the modern day, like you're still friends with all these people that you meet at festivals for like one yeah. weekend. Then it's like you exchange numbers and like, okay, maybe I'll see you next year. And it's like, oh, festivals get announced. Are you going to go? Got tickets. All right, let's meet up and, you know, hang out together. And like, it's cool. Like we can have friendships that are basically meeting at a festival and having a good time. Yeah, that is, is awesome. a sick benefit of social media. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes I feel like we talk about all the bad things about it. Right. And it's like there definitely is some gold in there. Dude, especially now when, you know, especially the first little bit of the whole world doing its thing right now when everyone's at home. Mm -hmm. Or even now, like with restrictions in place where it feels like you can only go to your job, then come back because maybe things are still kind of locked down in some way, shape or form. It's like still great that you have social media to like talk to people or like video sure. call with them and do whatever. It's like it's still nice that that is there. So as you said, as much as people want to like tell you how negative social media is, like depending how you're using it, like it's also great because you're still like connected with people. Yeah, it's all about I guess balancing the utility with all the risk. Exactly. Like it's addicting. A lot of people are meaner than they'd ever be in oh, person. Oh, for sure. Yeah, right? there's all those bad things for sure, but. Yeah, I've I've had the same experience where you meet someone once traveling and then, yeah. you know, you talk to them on social media and you consider meeting up when you're in their town or you are going to the same festival again. Exactly. It's cool. It is super cool, especially that you can maintain these relationships and it's like, oh, I can see what this person's doing. It's not like probably when our parents were growing up and like if someone moves out of out of town, it's like, okay, I'll see you. I don't know, maybe never. Maybe never. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess we're done being friends because unless you give me your phone number or like, I'll give you mine, phone me when you're there. Like we can maybe talk. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. If that's not weird, you know what I mean? Right. Is I that know. A weird thing to do. Right. <laughs> Man, that like that was my dad did that when he was younger. Like he's been in Thunder Bay his whole life. Then one of right. his, I guess like school friends and like after high school moved to like Kelowna or whatever. Okay. It's just like, okay, I guess I'll see you. I don't know when, see you whenever at some point. And yeah. This was like in the seventies, maybe the eighties. And it was just like, see you when I see you. Straight up. Whereas, like, now it's like, oh, if you're moving, okay, well, just message me when you get there and, like, let's FaceTime or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which for is, real. Which is crazy. Yeah, same thing with, uh, 
I guess now what we're describing is having longevity with what would have been single serving friends before, like the fight club, like you meet the guy on the plane and you know, you're never seeing him again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, that happened to me. Like I was coming back, going back East for, um, forget what it was, probably just to go visit and hang out. And I met, met, ended up hanging out with someone on the plane. We like talked the entire, entire way, exchanged social medias and everything, still follow each other to this day. It's like, yeah, man. It's funny how all that goes rather than like, okay, see ya. Hope your time is good wherever you end up. Yeah, good luck with your life. Yeah, have a great life, man. (laughs) Yeah, straight up, straight up. So uh, how long have you been doing the guitar tech? I've been doing that for a while, ever since um, I was in my hometown, uh, Thunder Bay. Like, It started off with um, when I was jamming with um, this one band I was in called Slave State. It was like a death metal band. Our singer at the time... He had this old Ibanez, and he was like, hey, like you're playing a guitar with a Floyd Rose, and this one has one, and I don't know how to set it up, and I think right. if I do it, I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty easy, and if for those of you that don't know what it is, it's like a floating bridge. It's like basically like a, not like a pulley system. Like You, a, you got an example right behind yeah, you there on that yeah, seven string. Yeah, just like the seven string. It's on a mm-hmm. fulcrum point, so like it's always going to be like this depending on how far in the springs are, how tight the springs are in the back. So, like, if you don't know what you're doing, you can mess it up. But if you know what you're doing, you can kind of make it work pretty easily. So I'm pretty good with that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll fix your guitar for sure. Then right. did all that, cleaned it up as if I was going to fix my regular guitar. Then he was like, oh, my God, this is, like, amazing, man. Like, how much do you want for it? And I'm like, I don't know, like, so a certain amount of money. And he's like, okay, sounds good. Then I put it on Facebook just saying, like, yeah, I fixed this guitar. This was fun, like. Let me know if you want me to fix yours. And it was just like, my inbox was just like flooded. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll start fixing guitars on the side now. And it turned into this fun, like little side gig, which has kind of evolved ever since then. So it's taking me to different places, like teching for bands, like on the road and stuff. Like No way, that's totally Going tight. on tour with some bands and like going down to this, uh, the States and stuff and just like, oh, we're going to hang out and I'll tech for you guys, maybe do some merch or like going across uh, into a couple different parts of the country and like going on tour and like I'll set up your guitars and stuff like that and I'll make sure your guitars are in tune and ready to go and like actually like gonna hold tune for the entire set yeah so that's been pretty cool and like even when I'm home like back in the summers like in Ontario it's like all right I'm back in town like I got some time to kill like I'll fix some guitars and it's like 30 messages later it's like all right I guess I'll get work on a couple guitars per day especially if I'm not doing too much and like make some extra money which is sweet for sure, for sure. So it kind of tur- started as like this fun thing, which evolved into like a, like now a skill that I can actually market, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. kind of kind of therapeutic. I mean, I could, I'll just start throwing a podcast or listen to a new album that I've been meaning to check out and just like go veg and work on a guitar. It's kind of nice, honestly. Badass. Badass. Yeah, it's pretty chill to be totally honest. Yeah, sounds like it. Then it keeps your uh, probably keeps you so comfortable that working on your own anything is never a problem. Exactly, right? Straight up. Or even like I work on mine and just kind of learn there, then like apply what I learned to like other guitars or like right. if there's like this crazy issue on um, a guitar that's that came into me, it's like okay, like I'll try and like do my best with it, or if it's like beyond my skill, I'll like assess it and be like okay, like I definitely gotta tap out in this. Like, right? If we're talking about like the Rex Brown bases like that kind of happened to me. There was, um, just because of time restrictions, like I was leaving town and the guy who owns the bases, he was leaving town as well. And they needed it back at like a certain time. Right. He was like, okay, like 
you know, there's some issues going on with like some of the active wiring in the guitar. And we're just like, okay, like, let's just get it working and let's bypass it and just make it work. And we'll deal with it later because something's going on internally because I don't know, the bass has been all over the world and been beaten up for 40 years. Right. Right. Or at least 20 years of hard touring from the club days to like the mid nineties in Pantera. So it's like, it's been all over and it's been played. So for sure there's stuff that isn't going to be working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Even then, like I walked in with a guitar today uh, to your place and even then like that one, I had to send out to someone else because it was just beyond me. There was like some issues with it and I'm like, okay, like I'm getting stressed out with this and nothing's working and I'm bogged down with like my actual nine to five job. And I'm like, I just don't have time to just keep messing around with this. So I'm just going to give it to someone else. And I think that's a big thing, whatever skill you are trying to pursue and like get better at. Like if you don't know and you're trying to trying your best with it and maybe you're still just getting stressed out with it, like there's no issue in like just saying like I got to stop and like maybe not be a hero and just like let someone else with a bit more experience take it from here and just like maybe learn from them and what yeah, they Yeah, exactly. That's, you, you that's gotta the learn, opportunity. Yeah, you got to learn how to be humble with a lot of these things, especially nowadays and whatever skill you do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even like, you know, because I produce myself as well, as well as you do. And like, you know, maybe our mixes aren't the greatest right now, but it's like you can't take it so personally where you're just going to get discouraged from doing it. It's like, oh, okay, like I'll t- someone give me a mix crit. And if it doesn't work or if you don't like it, like what can I improve on it, right? And yeah. I think that's the thing. You got to have an open mindset with everything you do like in life is just because if you don't, then you're just going to be stagnant and just kind of plateau early and maybe not be stoked on the things you do that are supposed to be making you happy right yeah absolutely absolutely that's what uh i also think doing anything with audio like you can nitpick it all you want and endlessly when it's your own but when someone sends you something and you send it to them you're they're never gonna be happy the first time like almost guaranteed they're gonna have like their personal preferences they wanted the vocals a little bit like this or the bass a little bit more like that or exactly you know what i mean and that's just the regular process is the then you send it back and forth you know getting criticism over and over and over and the thing is it's like art is never finished yeah so it's like what can you be happy with at the end of the day yeah yeah yeah, because even then, like when the vilification, we did our first album, mm-hmm. we were doing it with a different producer, then some stuff happened, then we had to change producers and re-record everything, and we were like, like okay, like get the guitar tones sounding like this album. Right. And they didn't sound like it, then I was like, why don't they sound like this? And I was like, oh, because we were in it with a producer who was not a metal guy, who was just like helping us out because we were a bunch of young kids, and you know, I was recording my guitar amp live in the room. Didn't know how to dial in my guitar amp for like a live studio setting rather than like a live sound. So I didn't know there was a difference between the two. And it was just like plug in and hope for the best. Right. So like, you know, being a kid, it's like you can't let that discourage you. It's like, okay, well, take that as a learning opportunity. And the things you don't like about this time, apply it to the next time. Right. Like and learn from them of what you can change to make it better. Yeah. We did things differently for our second release. And it was like, oh, this is what we were looking for. Like this sounds like way more of that modern metal sound that we were going for rather than like, you know, maybe like a bit more of a garage sound or like maybe more of like a, a rock sound because right. that's kind of the nature it was produced in. So wrong genre, maybe wrong producer, but it was still like the songs are still great. It's just, it'd be cool to re-record them with modern production, but for sure at the same time, it's like, do you want to just keep going back on the old stuff or do you want to let, let it be what it is and just like move on? Right. Yeah, 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 just love the process yeah. and the journey. Love the process and love the journey and look back and reflect on like actually how great it was to make the album, Like even though it might not sound the way you wanted it because, well, it wasn't done in a 
multi-million dollar studio, right? Right. Of the bands that we were listening to, right? Totally. totally. So it's like, just enjoy it, especially because we were kids. It's like, reflect on like, oh, of how much life was probably easier back then and like hanging out with the boys. And the only thing you had to worry about was going to jam every week and like finishing your homework for high school, right? Yeah. No, totally. It seems to all be about uh, just like practicing anything, any skill, especially artistic. Um, The beginner's mindset. 100%, right? Being willing to learn. I think that's a thing. At every failure. You just got to be a sponge. Mm -hmm. You got to soak everything up. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not, then like you're probably in for an uphill battle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's also when you really want to do something, it's all about being willing to fail until you succeed yeah exactly i mean there's so many times like where i record something for instagram or like for a youtube video or just for a song that's just gonna go up and like the amount of like takes that i've had to do to make it awesome and it's a lot of takes and like if i'm just gonna get discouraged after the first take and just like put the guitar down and be done for the night like i think that's an issue like i shouldn't be like that i don't think anyone should be like that if you're trying to pursue and grow on the instrument or at least have fun with it whatever level you want to take it to or whatever skill you want to take right yeah yeah because i mean even then some people like it took you this many takes i'm like yeah because i'm nitpicking everything and i'm not happy with the result or it's like oh this could always be better this could always be better or it's like if i'm just beating a dead horse it's like well you're like what can i what can i live with right it's almost like there's a mountain in the amount of times you can do like a take or perform a task oh yeah like, for sure maybe you're down here then it goes up and up and up and then oh this is awesome like maybe i'm gonna try it again then you're gonna notice like oh i'm getting tired and it starts to suck I'm like okay like, absolutely well at least i recorded these ones so i'm gonna go back a couple rolls in my phone and look through this and you know it's pretty good i'm happy with this because the rest of them after that were not good and the rest of them before that were okay but not as good as this so yeah yeah, I find that even uh, engineering for other people, like you'll have someone do a vocal session and yeah. you can tell when they've got the best take they're going to get that day. Exactly. Sure. And I think that's the thing is like, I personally like to have things all in one shot, especially if it's right. like an Instagram take or like a raw take. Like I just want to have the performance as best as it can be in one shot, not like multiple angles or like audio recorded over. Like I've right. tried that a couple times and like, you know, that's how the YouTube thing works. Like you record it in sections or you record it maybe like phrase by phrase because you want to get the performance as amazing as it can be. But like if I'm just doing like a raw take to show like this, the general skill that I have and it's like, let's see what you can do in one shot. Because I mean, I'll, I'm even going to quote John Mayer. He's like, like Instagram's the best platform. And I mean, probably TikTok now, like that's like your one minute to really show what you've got on the guitar. Right, it's like it's right. a musician's platform. So it's like you got this giant window of time, make it your best. So it's like, okay, I'm going to make it my best. Totally. Yeah. And you can even tell like when something's hyper-produced as well. Yeah, for I, sure. I like the, the nakedness of doing it in one shot because then it really shows who you are as a musician and like the ability that you're able to perform at. Even my buddies who do like live one vocal takes, it's like, oh, that's awesome. Like... You know, because then you could see in the background if they're recording with the song, the one vocal stem that's going like from the beginning to the end. It's like, that's what I like as well. You're being like true to yourself in the audience that you're doing this in one shot rather than like multiple angles. And like you can clearly tell that the vocals are like edited and mixed in perfectly by someone else. Yeah, It's like, just make it raw, right? Yeah, sometimes even uh, 
for the finished product, I find when I listen to some of my favorite albums, you hear fuck ups and errors and you're like, that's the magic. Sometimes a producer, that guy's definitely saying this is the fuck up we want to keep in this album. Man, you listen to like, you know, I'll keep going back to it, but like old Pantera albums Mm -hmm. like from the 90s and it's like, man, there's so many like little like noises on the guitar or like maybe times where it's like not fully in time maybe Vinny's speeding up or slowing down a little more than what was rehearsed and it's like oh man and the band just adjusts to it and you could feel and hear the push and pull and it's so sweet to hear that obviously you can't capture that now because everything is so hyper produced and like to a grid yeah. and to a click and that's the new standard but it's cool listening back to that and that's where as you said like the magic is it's like all the bands that just like have the push and pull with tempos or like you know there's random noises that happen on the guitar maybe the mute on the guitar wasn't like strong enough so like you yeah. hear like the springs in the back of the guitar if it has like a tremolo just vibrating and everything Some yeah a little bit of amp feedback like that stuff is so awesome yeah that was even i remember a fun fact from metallica's master of puppets yeah and that song it's the last high note he hits yeah it slipped off the guitar and it's actually really against uh against the guitar body itself and it's emulates something like a 30th fret or whatever a fret higher than he had access to on the guitar really that's the last note is that in the solo or yeah of the solo wow that's neat yeah yeah so that ended up being the perfect fuck up yeah the perfect take right yeah man even like slipknot if you see like old videos of them recording and everything it's just it's so raw Mm. you know when you got the producers doing what they did to slipknot back then or like you see videos of Corey taylor in the booth just like going crazy or like all the drum takes and the guitar players like mick and jim are just like standing and headbanging while tracking because it's like well that's how they're gonna play it live straight up seeing all that raw emotion is like man you just can't capture that anymore like no one's doing it like that anymore it's very interesting just to see how much Maybe emotion isn't in modern music anymore. Sometimes. There's yeah. some bands that I feel like they put production and even technical ability yeah. over the emotional aspect. Yeah. Sometimes will suck me out of some metal bands. Yeah, I'm with you there. Especially with a lot of the a lot of the gent stuff. It was just like Yeah, that's exactly how I can feel sometimes with that stuff. There's so much that I can listen to before I'm just kinda like, I'm done. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it's just like very cut and paste and copied or just like hyper produced and like it sounds amazing but it's like i don't know i'll listen yeah. to something with a bit more emotion yeah it feels robotic at a point yeah a little which is fine i mean if that's the sound you're going for that's cool but and i totally respect that but there's only so much i can listen to before i'm like i need to change it up straight up straight yeah. up yeah even then like there's a band like uh Vilhjarda and humanity's okay. last breath like where they play like to a click and they do like all of their their music like with a live like reaper session okay like when they perform but they have everything in that reaper session like midi automated so it's like the guitars are like changing tunings as well like as they're playing and stuff and like they have to be on all the time but it's so cool because that's like a full-on production and if a member messes up then it's like the whole thing is ruined yeah yeah like they're on in-ear monitors and everything and like i can totally respect that because they're using the computer and modern technology to like make a performance rather than like relying on it to make them better musicians. Totally. Yeah. So it's really cool how there's two trains of thought in it. And if they're doing it like the Vilhjarda way, that's pretty sweet. But if you're doing it because you can't play the music you've written, I think you should probably practice a little bit. Yeah, for sure. That's always a thing, right? Like uh, those incidents where you have a pop singer 
perform live and they're oh, yeah. atrocious, but they sound great on the record. Exactly. Or it's like the big uh, revealing of the curtain or pulling back the curtain of like the Super Bowl halftime. And like, yeah, it's like, oh, I heard most bands that go on there are just like playing to the CD. That's why yeah, it sounds yeah. amazing because the Super Bowl has no time for any sort of audio errors. So like they'll just have the band playing acoustically in the CD will just be blasting through the monitors mm-hmm. because, you know, it's a 30-minute halftime show and there's zero room for errors and it's a, such a giant production. I mean, that's what I've heard, right? Obviously, I don't work for the Super Bowl or NFL, right? I don't know. I think I saw a clip but one I've, time of I've it heard that too. Metallica or it was didn't the Chili Peppers or something because of that. Yeah, like there was one band, was probably Metallica, who was very open about that. Mm-hmm. But I think there was like an actual video of like, was it like, some pop artist or like the chili peppers and they weren't even plugged in or anything really and it was like it's like man that's pretty interesting that we're in this day and age where we have professional musicians who are still not plugged in obviously it's like a bigger thing than what i'm understanding it to be right there's so many moving parts so if they got to do it for logistics sure but it just it's too bad still that we're still seeing that yeah like if you're that talented just play it but i don't know there's probably so much money on the line for that stuff too yeah i also wonder how hard it is to make it sound good yeah i wonder why in an open arena like that yeah in a football stadium i mean we've been to a bunch of metal festivals and And they're just outside and they're just outside too yeah and they're playing yeah yeah i don't know it's all fine and dandy yeah right i don't know it's interesting to think about it i bet something happened many years ago one real bad incident. There was probably one. It was and a maybe, textbook case. Right? And it was just like, okay, we're just going to pull the plug on. Never again. Right? Let's yeah. just make the halftime show as easy as it's going to be. So, who knows? It's probably bigger than what we're actually imagining, right? Yeah. Because obviously we're not at that level. Mm. That is true. So, obviously the grass is greener on the other side or when you water it or all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, it all makes uh, sense to you until you get to the actual event. And it's like, oh, this is why it's done this way. Straight up. Yeah. Straight up. How do you, uh, what are your thoughts on Every Time I Die being de- done? Man, I don't know. Because I've heard that Keith Buckley came back saying like, like, yeah, there's like, we're going to get back together or something. Like there was like an article that recently went out saying that like, they're going to get back together or something. Oh really? I never saw that. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. Cause like Keith Buckley's on like his spoken word tour or something. I think he's doing yeah. like the Henry Rollins thing. I don't know. I think it's pretty, I think it sucks honestly that the band ended over tweets essentially. Yeah. It sounded like a bunch of really ridiculous drama. It was just too bad. I mean, if. Keith is going through some stuff. He should definitely get the help he needs. Maybe the band should have just went on a hiatus and like maybe they all need to get better. Straight or up. maybe it's just Keith needs to go on a hiatus and say every time I die is going on a hiatus and the four guys can go do something else in the meantime. Yeah, what I ended up seeing, it felt like a lot of uh, he said, she said sort of situation. Yeah. Because I read the basis. Yeah, I read his as well. Yeah, he just put out what he understood a case to be yeah and it was like specul speculatively they were gonna kick him out so then he was trying to beat them to the punch or something like that and yeah it's almost like is he feeling paranoid there lately a, yeah there's a lot of i think there's a lot of like mental health stuff going on too and speaking of like circus of survive just canceled their oh really their um 10 years of not jaterna 
10 Years of One Album, too. Or on forget, Letting Go? On Letting Go. I think that was the I one. I think that's it. And um, because Anthony Green was having a uh, like a giant like mental health crisis. And the really? band was like, yeah, we're just canceling it because that's more important. So it's too bad that Every Time I Die kind of ended the way it did. But it'd be awesome if they came back. For sure. Uh I really like the new album. It's awesome. And it's crazy that I guess they'll never tour it, or yeah. seemingly, at the moment. I thought they played some songs live, because when did that album come out? Quite recently. I think within the last few months, wasn't it? Like, yeah. maybe three months ago, two months ago? Yeah, because I thought they played some songs at, like... The Tid the Season? Yeah, Tid the yeah, Season, okay. yeah. okay, they probably did there. But I guess uh, I'm so used to seeing them. I know, right? Like, I've, I've seen them so many times that... It's weird if I never get to see this newest album. I know. It feels it, weird. Because it, it was great. Mm-hmm. And it, man, it took me such a long time to get into hardcore, or at least every time I die, which might sound crazy. But when I was younger, it was like, give me the fastest, te- most technical, and craziest music that I can ever imagine. Right. Because I want to be able to play it on guitar and get some inspiration for that. And it's like, every time I die really wasn't that band because it was just like, for sure. Because it was riffs. And. Me being kind of like arrogant, I'm like, like no, not into it. Like I don't get why people are into hardcore and everything like that. Then I get older, then I start working out. Then I'm like, well, maybe I'm not gonna listen to like Symphony X or Dream yeah, yeah. Theater right now because like I need to get a pump on and like I don't want to hear someone like singing these melodic highs or in like Straight up. this clean section with acoustics and like then I start listening to Every Time I Die and like all these other bands and I'm like that are like super heavier, like even way more into deathcore now and it's like oh. Now I get it. Yeah, so I get it took that. me literally working out to being like, oh, I get why maybe this band is more exciting to some people, whether they like the music or whether it's like great workout music. And it just so happens it's great workout music for me than actually diving into the music, not at the gym. And it's like, oh, these are great songs. What have I been missing out on? So I think that's the, that's the thing going back to what we said earlier about being like a sponge, like just soak it all in. You might, not cl- you might not click with it now, but like just really give whatever it is a chance and be open to it and at least appreciate it and don't just write it off because it's not what you like at the moment. Yeah, there's so many things that I came around to really liking Yeah, over the course of my life. Like so many things that just rubbed me the wrong way at right? first and then now I'm like, yeah, I love that song. I don't know what I was on about. Or it's like, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that genre now. Like straight up. It's like, yeah, straight up. Like John Mayer's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's amazing. I agree. He's amazing. He's an amazing guitar player. He's an amazing songwriter. It's like, how yeah. do you not like him? How do you not like good music, right? Straight up. Even like his country stuff that I didn't like before. It's like it was well written. Or like everyone in Canada loves to hate him. Nickelback. The songs are amazing. It's, yeah. It's produced so well. It's like, how do you not like something that is not that's written well or how do you not like something that's written well and well produced like it sounds amazing and the songs are hooky and catchy that's what they're like pop songs but yeah you know but But, rock songs but but like kind of metal yeah well sometimes some of those uh i remember hanging out with someone and they were like this is a new nickelback song some years ago and it was like drop tuning and riffs and i was like really man it was so weird when they played the olympics and they had the I forget what their one song is called, but like Chad Kroger came out playing like like a seven string explorer, and I'm like, the hell's going on here? Like, how is then like it's like drop B or whatever, and like right, right. he's just a Griffin, and I'm like, why is Nickelback heavy? Because it was always like Photograph and like yeah, yeah. every other song on the radio that was like overplayed and made you not like it, right? Yeah, yeah, the like, Spider Man Jam, yeah, right, and it's like and all the memes that come with it, right? And it's like, oh wait, this band's actually good, <laughs> like. Like, man, so that's the thing. It's just like, 
you just got to look at it from a different angle of like maybe not from what everyone else thinks of the band. Yeah, for sure. I definitely uh, came to uh, came to get it a lot more. Even if it's not your thing, there's a uh, a band like Nickelback. It's like they're definitely exactly what they set out to be. Yeah, that's without a doubt. Exactly. An instructor in school told me that Nickelback was uh, someone he went to schools with. Final project was he was gonna you know really yeah he get Nickelback started as a band. I wonder. He said he knew the guy who. So he probably knew Chad and um, Ryan. Whoever he said the guy who like produced the first album or something oh, like that. Oh, the producer, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and that was his final project for school. School was all wow. like all Nickelback and like that's that, neat. Th- what they're gonna be and he's like yeah talking about how he doesn't like them but he's like honestly it just you know the work all paid off showed for itself yeah and uh they're exactly what they were supposed to be yeah and they're amazing they're huge oh they're definitely they're rolling in it for sure yeah they're all local to BC anyways which is pretty are they cool. yeah okay they live I'm pretty sure at least Chad or some of the other guys, they they used to live in, like, Langley and stuff. Okay, yeah, and really, like, I didn't had, know that. Yeah, some, like, pretty nice houses out there, from what I've heard. I mean, hey, good for them. I mean, hey, your music's on the radio, if that's your end goal, and, like, and you can yeah. sell out arenas, like, I'm pretty sure that's every musician's dream, right? Most of. If you want to live off music, right? And if yeah. you actually want to have a healthy life. You Straight know. up. Yeah, because I know, like, seeing a lot of, like, the death metal guys playing, or, like, the really super obscure bands, and it's like, it's like okay, like this is very like non-accessible music, which is cool. You do it because you love it, but it's like, if you're trying to live off it, it might be a hard go. Sometimes I see something along the lines of polymathy, in which uh, a more obscure band, yeah, the, a member of it will do either they're in ten bands, yeah, or they're like Converge is a great example, yeah, like, you know, or you have Jacobs s- also a graphic artist, yeah, and involved in a bunch of other things. Kurt or, Ballou has yeah. God City Sounds, yeah, exactly. He's very involved with a bunch of other bands recording yeah, and, and producing. Well, God City Instruments too, yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean. Like all those guys do a fuck ton of stuff. Yeah, it's like that's how they're like you know wildly successful Dude, as even- a somewhat you know. That line in between underground and mainstream. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. even the periphery guys. I mean, Misha. Yeah. Misha was even like, yeah, periphery's fun. Like, we go on the road and hang out. And, like, but he's like, literally, all the other things that we do, like, make us money, whether it's like our plugins or our programs that we sell, like, for VSTs and recording, right. or the master classes we do, or the signature products that we all have. Those all make us money, or us just teaching, right. or, doing, right. or doing work for other bands. Like, that's where the money is. It's like, that's so smart, especially now, like, when tours aren't even happening straight up that's what i hear so many uh people say that putting your music out is almost to get people's foot in the door and then it's all about what you do from there exactly like your merch sales or you know your special fan interactions like you you make your money everywhere but the actual music which is kind of ironic right oh for sure because it's probably the main like you know it's why you're doing it i right because then like as when we grew up it was always like oh, I want to make so much money off my music, then it's like, oh, yeah, there's other avenues. Like, like maybe you have, like, a merch brand. Like, like I don't know, like this shirt here, like my friends in Carcosa. Word up. Like, they got, um, like, they do a lot of merch sales. Right, right. And they have, like, one album and singles out. But they do, like, a ton of merch sales because, like, they want to 
because if you want people to represent the brand, I'm like, how can I represent it more than just listening to the album? It's like, oh, I could buy a t-shirt. Straight up. Or it's like, you know, like my buddy who's in the band, like Andrew Bain, like he does YouTube and he has all these other things as well. And it's like, that's how you can make a living off of music is just having like so many different outlets in it For where sure. you can actually survive off of it. Not Not like survive, like you're like going paycheck to paycheck, but like you can like live comfortably and not have a traditional job that probably your parents had. Yeah, or not even uh, be obligated to do things you don't want to do or that yeah. come at the price of independence or what, like, your initial goal. Like, you just want to work for yourself at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And that's the main thing is, like, you want your business to be your brand and you want to be able to live off it, right? For real, for real. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I see a lot of musicians as well through uh selling merch they kind of give you the opportunity to state how dedicated you are to the band by having you know having merch and then there's a special limited edition one that comes with something that you'll only get this one time but it's way more expensive but a lot of people will buy it it's smart to do it like that i think so it is or it's like here's a limited logo release or yeah straight up or like, here's this. This is only like the Halloween theme. This is the Valentine's theme. It's like, man, that's smart. They're just thinking of cl- merch as like a clothing brand. Straight up. Because clothing brands have that. They got their fall line, their winter line, all that. It's like, why don't we do band merch like that? That's killer. Word it's up, so, word up. It's so smart to be doing that. Yeah, do you ever hear any of those things like uh, Trent Reznor's b- bizarre way of promoting Man, no, I haven't. I have fallen off the nine inch nails train for a long time i've like, heard stories like that i never he went in hid a cell phone in a bathroom at what? a nine inch nails concert and then somebody would find it and then later on he'd call the phone like the next day or something and be like hey this is trent reznor thanks for coming to the show like just what? really weird stuff that's interesting yeah that's neat like gorilla fucking promotion straight up that's cool yeah yeah he's weird very weird he's also insanely successful and insanely smart oh yeah for sure didn't he produce like the new lord album did he i didn't know that that makes me want to listen to I it think i haven't he, he was on like a really famous pop singers album i think it was lord or maybe billy eilish i can't remember wow interesting I yeah i can't remember exactly who it was but it was like so and so and then like it was like ex uh trent reznor like doing the collab i'm like that's weird but okay I'll check yeah, it out. yeah, for sure. But even then, like the whole Billy Eilish, Eilish thing is just like in our setting right now, which is like a bedroom. It's like that's where she made like her album that won five Grammys with her brother. I'm like, dang, that says a lot. Like she can do it in her, not like that, but like if you can make a be- an album out of your bedroom and make five Grammys out of it or win five Grammys out of it, I think that says a lot for the home setup. Oh, for real. Yeah, like, it's good changed for her. so it's much amazing. the industry that you can have the power of a real studio in your bedroom relatively yeah. easily. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as we were discussing earlier before we even got on, it was like, like, oh, what drum plugins do you have? Or like, what guitar yeah, yeah. plugins do you have? It's like, oh, you got a guitar amp there? It's like, do we even need it? <laughs> I yeah, mean, anymore. if we're going to play, like, I got my guitar amps at home and I got a load box so I can record them. And it's like, it's just killer. And I love it. But it's like, yeah, I'm lazy. I don't feel like turning on the amp. I'll just plug in. <laughs> yeah, the yeah box. sometimes it's, it's about weird. too like not uh, annoying the shit out of other people or your neighbors. Exactly. For me, I get you there. Yeah, especially when you can record at like 3 a.m. with headphones on. That's what is beautiful. I know it's wonderful, nice, right? and you and you're not annoying anyone. Like especially if you're in an apartment or something. Straight up, 
What are you uh, packing for amp modeling plugins? Um, I'm just using like the neural DSP stuff. That's all nice. I do. That's like top shelf. It's like industry standard at yeah, this point. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, it's either like the neural stuff, the STL tonality, or there might be another one. But it seems like those are like the industry standards if you're just going for plugins. Right. Obviously, like the modeling stuff is all great now. Like whether it's an Axe Effects or a Kemper or a Helix, like that's all fantastic. No- nothing's really bad anymore for gear, which is really awesome. Like if you're just starting to get into music now, like you're at the best time to do it because everything's pretty great. And all the brands understand that they have to be in competition with being great from the other brands. Yeah, for real. Like, nothing can suck anymore. It's not like the 80s or the 90s where digital modeling first came out and it was, like, oh, it man. was, like, not good, especially the high-gain stuff. Maybe the mid-gain tones were okay and the cleans. Well, I mean, if you mess up cleans, I don't know how you mess up cleans. But, yeah, yeah. But, man, like, everything is so good now because like, it has to be. Yeah, I'd even which is feel awesome. like, you know, 10 years plus ago, it was trying to use amp modeling was just painful. Yeah. And... Yeah, in the last couple of years, I've just been blown away by what's available. Exactly. And it's like how convenient it is, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I can share neural DSP plugins from my main computer, and I can have my travel computer when I go home or go back east. And like, oh, I could have all the same sounds right here and all the same presets. Like, sign me up. Yeah, even a move I like to do if, say, I'm engineering or producing a guitar track for someone is if you're in a studio, getting a splitter yeah. and running a clean track yeah yeah. right into the DAW so you can experiment with amp modeling exactly and then record the real amp at the same time so then you have the option of blending i like you know you have more i like doing that too like i will sometimes do that i'll do like a split because i got a a di box so it has two ends right yeah so i'll go in as a di into the interface and maybe model with like neural dsp then like Mm -hmm. the out the other out will go to my actual live signal and my live rig, then that will go up. back into my load box, no cabinet, and just straight into the interface and running a cabinet IR. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what do I like? Or yeah. it's like, I'll just record a DI, then I'll reamp it later. Yeah, exactly. Which that, is killer. That's reamping is a great move. And that's what I feel like it's uh, really opens up that option of uh, it's better to have it and not need it. They exactly. needed and not have it. And especially like getting back to how good gear is now and how accessible it is now. Like like you can get like a radial uh DI or a reamp box for a hundred bucks. Like, oh yeah. And it does what you need. Like I've A B'd that with like the higher end one and it's like it seems like there's just more available gain and headroom on tap for the okay. one that's like twice or two and a half times the price. And it's like well maybe I'll just up the uh the DI file more. Yeah. And yeah. just like crank it up so I can get that headroom and more of that gain out of it. So I mean but they both sound the same. Totally, totally. But it's interesting. Like everything has to sound good now, and if it does, and if it sounds bad, like the company's probably gonna hurt. For real, for real. The standard has become really high for everything, plug-in wise and modeling wise. It's so great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna release something bad, it's almost like that's not even an option anymore. For real. Yeah. For real. Even the amount of free stuff out there that's like, oh good. man, and like I'm not saying like amazing. But it's like good because it's free, and it's like, oh, this is fantastic because I also paid no no money for it. Yeah, especially it's if you a lot of good stuff out there. Work genres uh, that you don't use a lot of organic instruments. Like yeah. if you are a pop or hip hop producer, it's like you can find just free a great amount of synths and plugins to do like solid That's mixing with. Yeah, like everywhere. And there's so many like good like mixing. Uh, 
and mastering plugins as well that are like under a hundred bucks. That's like just throw it on your master bus. And it's like, Oh, it does all the work for you. It's mm-hmm. like, there's so much guesswork that's been removed from this, especially from like the young home audio engineer to actually yeah, make yeah. their work sound good where it's like, you don't have to slave over it. Like, like how it used to be done back in the day yeah, where, straight up. where you would just get, be getting ear fatigue from listening to the same album over and over again. I mean, that's what happened with, um, and justice for all. That's why there's like no bass on it. Cause they were recording it as they were on tour. Okay. So it was just like after maybe like three weeks on the road, go to the studio, record, go back out on tour, then uh, tour again, go overseas, have like uh, remote mixing sessions and everything. And then, okay, send it back. Okay, go back to America, go record it again. And like, and just mixing and mixing and mixing. It's like, yeah, you're tired. You're physically and mentally drained and you're trying to produce an album while trying to make money and tour. Because For that's real. just how the 90s and the 80s were. Like, you had to be on the road to make money. For real. For yeah. Real. So it's like, I've, I've always heard that was like why Injustice For All has no bass. Right, right. Because they just were hearing it every night. Interesting. Yeah, and they were just hearing like that sub bass from the subs in their in the arenas all the time. And they were just kind of like sick of hearing that frequency. And it turned out to just getting removed from the album. No way. Yeah. That is, it's so it's funny. Weird. It's such a weird album to listen to. But you got that uh, YouTube version, the With Injustice for Jason, I think oh, it's called. really? I got to listen to that. Yeah, someone just made a point to like make the bass audible. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. crazy. Man, but yeah, it's weird. Like that will literally never happen again. Saint Anger will never happen again because yeah. everything's so good now. Straight up. You know, as much as people love to hate on that snare tone or just the whole production of Saint Anger. I I don't hate it as much as other people do. I think it's the songwriting that people are just like, how is this Metallica? Yeah, it was weird. It felt like they were trying to be a hardcore band or something yeah. like that. And even my uh one of my good buddies back home, diehard Metallica fan, he's like, "Yeah, I remember buying this like like skipping high school and going to buy it and he was like i can't believe this is metallica they're like is this a joke like they all had like a listening party in like their parents basement and everything and it was like this is the album like this is terrible so even then like i show my dad it and he was just like how did this get produced i'm like i don't know that's <laughs> like yeah and it's the same guy who did the last four yeah it's like, like somehow it's like well, what happened yeah it's weird 2000s were a weird time yeah, for real. I feel like uh, Metallica kind of went a weird path with trying to get on the 90s alt train. Yeah. And then they didn't really know where to go, right? And then they ended up in the St. Anger territory. Yeah. Because uh, they were trying to be Alice in Chains or something yeah, for a bit. Or just like a bit of Godsmack or kind of paved that way. Or something like that. Maybe trying to be like Pantera in a way. Yeah. But it's really weird, like getting back to the whole YouTube thing of like, hey, if if it works and it's successful, just keep doing it. Mm. And everyone hated St. Anger. And what was the album after that? Was it literally Death Magnetic? I can't remember. I like that one. But it's like they went back to the roots and everyone was like, yeah. oh, it's fine. Yeah, Play yeah. It's what we want. And whereas like Slayer has sounded the same since they started till when they ended. And it's like, oh, it's Slayer. It's good. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I always hilarious. feel with Slayer. I'm, I'm never disappointed. Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, there are certain songs where it's like, okay, they could pack it in. Yeah. Like, you can tell they're kind of at the end of the rope, but it's like... Doing it, it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's other songs on those later albums where it's like, oh, it's Slayer. It's awesome. This is great. Yeah. And it sounds just like South of Heaven or like uh, Raining Blood. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, sounds good. Yeah, I think South of Heaven is my favorite one. I'm with you there. South of Heaven or Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah. Seasons oh, front to back is so good. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, huge Slayer fan. I'm not like a diehard Slayer fan, but every time I've seen them, it's made me more of a fan being like, I should really listen to them and do my homework on Slayer. Especially yeah. the guitar riff. Like, just trying to play War Ensemble is like... That's a sick jam. Dude, it's such a workout. It's awesome. And it's like, they were doing that in the 80s. Like, like that paved the way for like modern death metal, more oh, or less. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, they probably got me into... I eased into metal when I was young. Yeah. Like, a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier. But Slayer set me up to uh, get comfortable with, like, actually screamed vocals. Exactly. Yeah. When I got into metal, it was, like, like through Much Loud, if you remember that. Mm, A little bit. I feel like I saw a Lamb of God song on there once. Yeah, it was, like, um, like... the much mu- it was on much music and it was like it used to be like the the power hour or whatever so it's like a okay. one hour of like metal then it evolved into like this one channel of like just straight up metal all the time and right, it was just right. music videos you'd watch so i got into that i remember like getting into music then it was just like getting into whatever's on the radio whatever your parents are listening to yeah yeah then it's like oh let's see what this much loud's all about i'm like okay some of these songs are cool and heavy i like it then i saw slipknot and the video for left behind was on there and there's me i'm like grade five grade six and i'm just like what on earth is going on i got like these guys ripping their brains out and like mm-hmm. there's blood everywhere and everything and there's like rain everything's crazy and there's these guys in masks and like jumpsuits and i'm like what is happening and i'm like going back to other channels I'm getting freaked out it's like i'm watching saw or something or like this right, horror right. movie i'm like and then i'm just like at the end of it i'm like is this done I'm like oh my god this is nuts <laughs> just confused <laughs> yeah exactly like not knowing how to really process it but i think that stuff like really cut my teeth for like wow this is like pretty amazing and just being like wide-eyed for all that stuff and like the cool factor and the wow factor yeah yeah for sure yeah. for sure how old were you you think when you got into um, metal probably probably 11 Oh yeah, nice. That's that's eleven early. or however however old you are in like grade six or like grade five, mm. grade six ish maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because I really didn't six. pay attention to music when I was younger. Okay, it was like whatever was on the radio, and it's like okay, like this sounds cool, I like it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like actively listening or like nothing. Yeah, it really, was passive. Yeah, nothing really piqued my interest until like I started actually getting into metal. I used to like listen to rap and pop and stuff and. Then like maybe some pop punk and everything like that. Right, like right. Like my first couple albums that I bought were like um, some Forty Ones Chuck album and the self titled Blink One Eighty Two album. That's is, a good one, dude. That's like my favorite Blink album, yeah, front to back. I love it. And those are like my intro introductions to like music and everything. And it was just like, oh, this is awesome. Then metal took over and it was like, oh my god, like this is where it's at for me. Nice. Yeah, then haven't really looked back since. Obviously, the horizons have expanded to yeah, yeah. other genres, right? Then going to school for music as well, like learning classical and all that and really having an understanding and appreciation for that is like, that's where it's at too. And like, for oh, sure. I totally understand where all this neoclassical metal is from or like this technical death metal. It's like all just old school symphonies. Yeah, The same absolutely. structure of like, absolutely. here's like this crazy line that's going to do this, or like the violins or whatever, and it's going to be super fast and cool that's how the old symphonies were from like all the old composers like maybe like Rachmaninoff or like maybe some like faster Beethoven or um Mozart and now it's just like redone as death metal like or technical death metal cool sounds good for me yeah for real melody that I can kind of hum along to I like it Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Yeah, just the use of chromatics or accidentals or even uh yeah what are you talking like double harmonic scales and stuff like that yeah exactly or even then it was like i always found like the italian composers uh from back in in like the romantic and the classical eras they always were trying to push the boundaries of how fast they can go on their instruments mm. and it seemed like all the, their works or like their symphonies or like their sonatas were just like always like balls to the wall just like go as hard as you can go as fast as you can play and it's like oh that's technical death metal. Yeah, it's the, it's the exact hardest same stuff mentality. Play, but now it's just with blast beats. Word up. Yeah, word up. which is killer. Love it. Yeah, that's the stuff I do love. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Fuck it keeps, yeah. keeps you sharp. Keeps the the ears and the brain excited. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, man. So when's the projection for the Vilification album to come out? <laughs> uh, it's up in the air? It's up in the air. Okay. Yeah, we got some stuff we got to iron out first. Mm. Yeah. Um, just some logistical things and like we got some like everything's recorded but vocals, so we gotta figure out something for that at this point. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so we gotta do some stuff for that and and yeah, then whenever, because we're just kinda waiting to get that ironed out. Otherwise, I mean, hopefully sooner than later, all the stuff's been recorded for such a long time. It's just putting the icing on the cake now and just getting it out there, getting some album art and then yeah, yeah. throwing it online. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, how about your projects? What is the ETA or like what's the projected timeline you want to have for those? Uh, I'm hoping within six months, but yeah. even let's say it was done in three, I would want mm-hmm. to try and promote it properly, like take a month or two yeah. and like make some promo videos and, you know, do it slow yeah. and proper. How hard are you on yourself with um, deadlines? Um, like what if you don't meet those deadlines? Like... Like, do you sleep at night knowing that you didn't make that deadline? I try to... I feel like I had an instructor tell me that you set deadlines just because you'll get more done by them, but you should almost anticipate always never meeting it. So it's like a soft deadline. Yeah, sometimes. Some things I'm really strict with, but... Yeah, yeah, that's even that deadline. It's really... up in the air. I yeah, just yeah. want to take my time, be really happy with it. That's the and thing. then take time to do a proper promotion and advertise it. Because you could, um, you could record something and just get it out and just like shotgun the whole thing, mm-hmm. but you could not be happy with it for sure. That was like um, the end. If you remember that band, yeah, I liked them a lot. Yeah, a lot of guys were like, oh, they like pioneered mathcore and everything, and they had so long to write their first album, which was like pioneering. Then they had like a small window of time and they wrote the album after that and not a lot of people liked it. Really? And there was a lot of fans that dropped off because it was way more commercial. Really? Instead of like way more mathy and techie like Dillinger, which is like, it's too yeah. bad. Because I mean, if that album is like elementary, the one that they're talking about, the one they didn't like, and I don't know, it sounds amazing. I like that one, but album. I do know what you mean. Like it was, I remember there being more uh, yeah. melodic vocals and stuff like that. Yeah, they had way... a little less heavy. Yeah, it, and I think a lot of people were just expecting a redo of that other album. Right. And they didn't get it, so they were bummed out, right? Because mm-hmm. that's probably what they grew up with. And it was like so many years of listening to that, then yeah, their yeah. expectations were just like let down. I feel like that's what happened with uh, Refused as well, as everybody, yeah, when they came back and they put out the new album, everybody yeah. so desperately wanted a second Shape Shape of Punk, punk to Come. come. Yeah. yeah, Man, that's one band that just never did it for me. Oh, really? Yeah, Honestly, never like, them. like, I know like the main hit, Right, like that song's cool. Then I listen to the rest of Shape of Punk to come, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. 
Yeah, it's it just never did it for me. I don't know. Like maybe I was expecting so much lore and like hype and like amazingness because of how much this was hyped up and like even the title. Yeah, and it was like there was like so much lore behind the band. Like they had this pioneering wave of music, and it's like Mm -hmm. okay, it's fine. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I don't. I just didn't. It didn't hit me as well as or as hard as it hit some other people. So for sure. Yeah, you know uh, Gearhead? Yeah. Yeah, he's funny. He's a person that I find very often. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, like, every time I die, he's like, I hate them. Yeah, right? He's, he's like, I'll never, I'll never like them. That's so <laughs> funny. Me and the boys in our group chat, we have one of our friends. He's very opinionated about uh, certain things, whether it's bands or, like, just other things. Like, maybe it's, like, gear or whatever in the music mm-hmm. industry. And it's just like, hey, what do you think of this song? Nope, hate it, sucks. Yeah. He's like, nope, it's not like their other stuff. It's like... All right, we figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo- yeah, love him to death. Great dude, but it's it's funny, right? Yeah, I like to have those friends. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. and then another friend I love to have music wise is uh, the plug. Like some friends, I just know <laughs> I can call them and be like, "I need some new bands." Yeah, and they're like, "What kind?" Yeah, and then they got a list of bands you've probably never heard. Yeah, and that's I, the move. I always like that. Mm-hmm. Are you one to just make um? like a giant playlist, like a Spotify playlist or something, and like just keep adding stuff to it or going to the recommended or you just keep going back to the old favorites? I go to the Spotify radio pretty yeah. often, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'll sync up albums and then sometimes I kind of make a playlist, but I'll even jump radio to radio. Like I like this song from this playlist they make. And yeah, then, yeah. And then the playlist will start to get a little interesting in the wrong direction. Yeah. And then I'll find a song in that playlist and I'll go to that playlist and so on and so forth. Never really uh, went to the radio on Spotify. Mm, I, I think it's not bad most of the time. Interesting. For metal, though, actually, that's where I find it to be the worst. I can imagine. Because you'll finish your metal album and then it'll bring you to the curated playlist. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell is this yeah. song that I don't want to hear right? at all? Yeah, um, that happened to me a little while back. I was listening to Obsolete from Fear Factory, just giving it, okay. a, giving it a good front to back. And I was like, oh, yeah, this album's amazing. And then the radio after that was like a little bit of Fear Factory. Then it was like, oh, this is like nothing like Fear Factory. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, like that's kind of what I'm feeling right now is stuff that's like Fear Factory. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally my experience as well. Yeah, it's very interesting. Even some people on Twitter, it's like they've been saying like, oh, this is a like – like you can't argue this is like not the best Fear Factory album or this is not the best this album. It's like, oh, maybe I'm due to go listen to that rather than the hits. Listen to the whole thing through and it's like, that was awesome. Mm. And I wish I should have listened to it earlier. Word so, up. Yeah, so I think that's a good place to listen to it too. Or like the whatever bands that you're really into, scroll down and like other artists you might like. I think that's always a good it's one. It's not bad on Spotify it's actually. Good. I found some pretty cool bands. Yeah, I really like it too. Yeah. I can't remember how I got there. Maybe from Gaza to like plebeian grandstand. I haven't listened ever to Gaza in so long. Yeah, yeah. I still have some T-shirts and nice. stuff from when they were kicking. Yeah. Um. Who else? Uh. What are they called? Distrage. I don't know that one. They're kind of like Sixth. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's super I like that sick. Band. Yeah. Sixth is awesome, and Distrage is kind of like a crazier punk rock version of Sixth. Right on. It's like Sixth and a Wilhelm scream. Nice. hung out and yeah, yeah. And, they're fr- and they're from france or something like that they're from cool. over in europe and there cool. it's awesome that sounds like a really interesting combination it's very cool 
Right on. Yeah. Do you ever uh, listen to the Nietzsche? The Nietzsche, no. I can't remember where they're from in Europe, but yeah, it's a it's really all over the place. Yeah, I like going down the rabbit hole though. Like Portal, that's some good stuff. Full mm. of Hell. Um, oh yeah, they're great. King Parrot, they're pretty amazing for sure. Australia, yeah, they're from yeah. Australia. Portals from Australia too. There's some okay. weirdest stuff out of Australia. Da- yeah, straight up. Daughters too. They're Australian. They're from Rhode Island. Oh, okay, but equally as awkward. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> as, uh, equally as crazy. Yeah, I saw them just before covid or something I did. like that were you at that show too yeah here yeah yeah. Here? Yeah. yeah i was there too it was awesome yeah i was taking it easy i feel like i went to a bunch of shows that week and then i was uh up top sitting yeah. in the balcony or whatever. i was in the pit it was awesome mm, yeah i watched i sat down and watched it was great i would yeah it's man it's weird the older i'm getting it's just like i mean i'm not even 30 but it's like i feel like an old man or i'm like you know what like shows are back I would love to have a seat and watch this band. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I just want to sit down, yeah. Yeah. Man, you work like eight to five, and it's like, I just want to sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that was the situation. Yeah. I worked. Me and my friend AJ went and saw it, and I, it was like, you want to go sit down? It's like, but it's yeah. like, there should be an area for those people that just want to sit down. Mm-hmm. I remember going to see Steel Panther at a casino in Winnipeg. Okay. And it was awesome. It, it was like, that's where you should see a, like, a band like Steel Panther, right? It's like, at like a party city, or like at like a party venue at like a casino and like yeah that's fitting it's very fitting and like we get there and like we're standing because it's like a rock show and there's nowhere else to like really sit and some guy was just like to me and my buddy like hey do you mind like sta- not standing because like you're ruining my view um, and we're like uh it's a rock show guy like yeah like, yeah for like, real it's like that's the thing you're supposed to stand he's like well some people work all day and i'm like okay but like you got your rock show too yeah, word up. Sucks to suck. Yeah, I guess so. But it's like, it's cool like at the rickshaw where there's the upstairs part where you, yeah. you go have a seat and it's like, oh, that's awesome. No, that, that place is awesome. That was that was where it was, right? Yeah. yeah. But that's like the unsung thing of like going to a show is like, you just got to stand. You got to show the band that you're into it. Even if For you're real. not moving, you just like stand up and participate, clap and like looking up rather than just like looking like you're pissed off and just like sitting down like, you know, like no band wants to see that. Yeah, it's no uh band wants to see like the blues fest. <laughs> yeah, it's it feels so fucking awkward when right? you're in an auditorium and you bought tickets to see a band and everybody is sitting and I know. they act like you're a major inconvenience if you want to stand up. Right. Man, I went and saw Jeff Beck when he was in Thunder Bay. Oh yeah, nice. That was Fuck cool. Yeah. And that was a show that you sat down for. Okay. And I don't th- I mean, I don't know if he was miffed that everyone was sitting down yeah yeah maybe that's the thing you do at like a guitar show like you just sit down and you just watch right mm-hmm. whereas like if it's an interactive rock show and like you want to get up there and move and mosh and dance and like uh sing along or whatever but man i don't know like well you know the blues fest and like yeah yeah the joke that goes with that is like if, for those that are listening it's like a music festival in our hometown where everyone goes and just sits on lawn chairs yeah yeah and like up. the bands that are playing there they look pissed off the entire time because it's like no one's getting up and and even people in the audience are like it looks like the band didn't even want to play it's like well, yeah what do you think 90 98% of the audience was sitting and not engaging like word up like, yeah what it's do like you think? they're not there for the music 
You're there to sit on a lawn chair in the marina. You could do that whenever you want. You're there for like the food trucks. Yeah, it's, it's like, what it look lo- looks it's, like. You're there for the beer and the food trucks. Yeah, it's like that's. And I what guess it, there's music. Yeah, it's like music is the background noise. It's like, mm-hmm. then you get people complaining that it's too loud. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, turn down that 38 special. Yeah, right. right? Turn yeah, down. Uh, turn down that warrant, brother. Yeah, yeah. Word up. Word yeah, up. it's funny. Yeah, it's funny how people can act in our hometown. Yeah, Thunder Bay is a weird place. It can be weird for publicly organized music events mm-hmm. that are open to the public and not at a organized venue. Yeah, I remember being a kid and uh, there being uh, like parking lot events. One was by the casino and then yeah. a band that was playing. This might be the first time I saw a really heavy scream in their fucking face off yeah, metal yeah. band. And it was just so weird that it was like a public event. And then there was this, you know, really bludgeoning, yeah, yeah. you know, hateful, evil That's music. That's hilarious. Yeah, but I, I think that was the, probably my first experience seeing a really aggressive band live. Man, that was like when, if you remember Amelia. Oh, yeah. It was like Summer in the Parks or something, and they mm-hmm. played. And obviously, it's like now the Heart Collective guys, like Ryan screaming his face off. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like in front of all these families and everything. And like, that's hilarious. Or like when metal bands used to actually get public recognition because there was like no other band than Thunder Is Bay. Is that why that would happen? I that's think what so. I wondered. I, I think was because like... there was no other like bands in thunder bay okay it seems so unfitting like it's when so i funny. Re- recall back to that event or what you're describing and it's like that sounds entirely inappropriate but it's also kind of awesome as it well. is because it's agree. like you're creating the space for metal to be recognized well and whether hopefully everybody it, whether brings their like friends it. you know what i yeah. mean like your supporters it's like the one kid in middle school who's jamming with his buddies and then you do like the talent show and you play a metal song mm-hmm. and no one cares because metal isn't cool. Right, right. Right. But there's like the four friends of yours that are into metal and they rush the stage because it's like, this is something that we all love and they're cheering on the your buddies. But then the rest of the school is like, this is stupid <laughs> because, because they don't get metal. Yeah. Or even a, like a sick concert on a Sunday night. Oh, so right. it's like a bad turnout. Yeah. And right. Like I've totally been the one of three dudes moshing. Man, that's for cl- a fucking like power trip. I think that right? happened one Man, time. Man, that's like classic Thunder Bay. Like a band Word rolls up. in on a Sunday and it's like no one's there because, well, the show starts at 10 and is done by two in the morning and mm-hmm. someone has to wake up four hours later for and work. And they're busy drinking fucking Monday to Saturday. I know, already. right? Yeah. So it's like no one's going. Word up. Word up. Yeah. It's funny, though. Even that, man, like, before COVID, like, they're, like the pub, there was only open for, like, certain days of the week and everything. And it's, like, it's crazy just how much shows have just slowed down in Thunder Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's less bands than I remember there Yeah. Being. There's definitely less local bands. Because mm. it seemed like the pandemic just put the nail in the coffin for some bands that were just, like... Right. Well, I guess it's, like, we're going to play, like... This show that happens once a year, because it's like we're staple band. Guess we should practice, even though we don't want to. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of nailed in the coffin for the bands that just didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. Gave them a reason to go pursue something else, whether it was a different hobby or just not even having to worry about playing. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is, but like, what can you do? I think it just shows where the dedication is for some people and what level you want to take any sort of skill to. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. level it is, that's fine, right? Whatever you want to do at the end of the day. I mean, some people just want to be the weekend warriors and 
They don't want to do YouTube. They don't want to record music. They just want to record their covers or they just want to, you know, be a cover band or play the local scene every now and then. And that's it. And that's cool. Other guys, they want to go the full nine yards. So totally. Whatever, however, however far you want to take it. Yeah. Someone once said to me that if you want something to be your career, you have to treat it like that. Yeah. And I think that's definitely the deal with art. It is as wavering as it can be and as so unstable as it can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're there, like you're cutting out shifts for yourself, you know what you're going to do, you're organized, you make a schedule. Yeah. The likelihood that you're going to take it to a better level is way higher. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely hard trying to manage that and an actual job too. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, absolutely. Especially when you come home and you're burnt out at the end of the day and like, and you're trying to get anything out. Especially in yeah. the arts when you're trying to really squeeze blood from a stone in terms of creativity mm-hmm. and you're forcing it. Then you're getting mad because nothing's coming out or the stuff that comes out is like not good. Then you just have like a sour taste in your mouth for that night and you're like, damn, I just wasted like a whole night trying to make a riff or something or trying to write a song and like nothing happened. It's like, that sucks. Like that's that feeling sucks. Yeah, yeah. That's when you got to come back to the beginner's yeah, then it's like mind 10, again. Then it's like 10 p.m. and you're like, I guess I got to go to bed and I'm mad because I didn't make anything. Like, it's no fun. Yeah, having to work a, a daily grind and then having something you want to pursue as a as a career you love, it's it's basically having two jobs. It is. It's tough. Yeah. It's really taxing on the old well-being. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But uh, you want to wrap it up here? I think we're good to wrap it up. Yeah. Cool. Well, good, thanks man. a lot for being here, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me over, Chris. This Fuck yeah, brother. Good time catching up. Right on. Yeah. Right on. This is good stuff. Hell yeah. 